Hello, Robin. Hey, Jeff. How you doing, buddy? All right? Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. How are you? I am fantastic and fine. Thank you ever so much for asking. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a, another episode of WN Movie Talk Podcast. Formerly known as We Need Talk About Movies Podcast. That's what the WN stand for. We need movie talk. Anyway, it's uh, me, Trev, and my bruv, Rob. Hi. And we get together each week, don't we, discuss a different film. Yeah. Eventually. It's family time. It is. It's family bonding. Speaking of family, Rob, our mothers listen to this podcast <laughs> now, I hear. I know. Does that mean we've got to we've got to tone it down? I know, yeah. I've got to stop swearing, probably. I'm a bit worried about it, personally, but yeah. So, um, I got a message from her, too. What did she say to you? Let's see if... Let's compare notes. She said... I thought the pod was really good. Both of you have tremendous knowledge of all aspects of filmmaking and cast writers and directors, etc. Amazing. That's really good. So she said to me. She said, God, Robin, we're so lucky to have you. Trevor's a right knobhead. (laughs) 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 Boom, boom. No, she didn't. She said, hi, Robin, just listen to your sound pod OC. I love her texting fingers. Close encounter. Amazed at the knowledge you both have of film, making actor, directors, writers, etc. By the way, it's one of my favourite film. Kiss, kiss. Did you get kisses? Uh, I did get kisses. Of course I got kisses. How many? How many? Just didn't read them out. Seven. (laughs) No, I only got two. I only got two kisses. Well, that's it. It equaled out. But isn't that great? We got like a mum section. That's it. But um, yeah, anyway, this week... This week, it's Robin has chosen the film and the question. I did. Don't get your hope. Don't get your hopes up. The question fell, sunk like a lead balloon. Ah, oh, but wasn't it a tough one? <laughs> yeah. Not the question, just the coming up with a question linked a to question. this film. I've sent another question out quickly a minute ago, but nothing's come of that either. Um, but maybe by the end of the, we'll have some discussions. But the film was The Artist, wasn't it, Robin? That's what It was chose. indeed. Um, this is, uh, you know, I've talked before about I like to go out and buy Blu-ray discs in charity shops. It's one of my favourite pastimes. Yeah. And this was one that I bought and it just sat there. As soon as I bought it, I just chucked it to one side. And I've got to be honest, I probably never would have thought about watching it if it wasn't for for this podcast. And then and then I thought, well, come on, this is what it's about, isn't it? You know, putting a film out there sometimes every now and then that you perhaps wouldn't necessarily go for. Exactly. Even though you own the bloody thing. Yeah. Well, I... I mean, what's I, the sense in that? I've done exactly the same. I got this on Blu-ray about a year ago oh. from a charity shop, and it's been on my shelf. But I am... I've got lots of films like that. But like I say, I've got this tub where I work through them. But because you suggested it, I thought, oh, great. I'm going to get to watch it. And we watched it last night. And... Um, Oh, well, we'll discuss what we think of it in a bit. Very good. Yes. Because uh, first of all, Robin, do you know it's this time of the evening when I like to ask you... You seen any films this week? Uh, I have actually. Thank you very much. Oh, have you? Oh, good. What have you watched? Mm. Well, there's two that I've watched. The first one was um, the Ali G movie. Oh, right. A lot of, <laughs> that's fair age now, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know that? Yeah. You know, have you? There's a thing, isn't there, with me? Have you noticed? Because last week it was the Harry, Harry Hill, Hill movie. movie. Yeah. And to be fair, I think the Ali G movie is a, a slightly better film. <laughs> There are just some funny bits in it, and there are still bits that made me laugh out loud. But yeah, it's slightly dating. Yeah, well, I just a little. I haven't watched that since it came out. I wasn't overly impressed when it came out, 
which made me not want to watch Borat when that came out. But when I watched Borat, completely oh. different <laughs> kettle of fish. Borat, so much better. Yeah, Borat's on another level. I think the I think Ali G is just more of a teenage kid movie, teenage boy movie, <laughs> yeah. to be perfectly honest. I don't think it's got a lot else going for it. But there are a couple of bits in it that, that are just funny. That made me laugh. Um, but yeah. So I watched that. And then the other one that I watched was another French film, actually. Oh, right. Um, called The Triplets of Bellevue. It's it's a French... It's written by and directed by a French guy called Sylvain Chaumet. And so I thought, well, you know, this is... Um, the artist is French, so I had a sort of a French weekend. Oh. Nest <laughs> pop. So we had Mexican for tea tonight, pizza last night. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me why. Both very delicious, but not a lot to do with the French. They're going to eat frogs, legs and snails, are you? No, but, but interestingly enough, they do in this. It's brilliant. But it's an animation. Oh, right. Oh, that sounds uh, And it oh, is like absolutely fantastic. Fantastic! It is it is weird, yeah, and it is and it is wonderful. I think it's one of those animated films. I if I think if you came across it, yeah. you'd probably go, "What the hell is this?" Because it's weird, mm. but it's also brilliant. It's genius, and um, yeah, maybe it's one I'll put on our list at some point. Yeah, I'll pick it out for us to watch and review because it's different. Um, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes liked it. Well, you said you hate them. <laughs> I know <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so the triplets of Bellevue—that's what I watched. And Ali G, what a connect! What, cool. a, what a mixture! What a mixture! I've uh, I've watched a film this week. Went to Jessini. Tell me, tell me more. The new Batman, the Batman. Shut the front door! <laughs> I didn't realise I'd left it open. <laughs> tell me, was it good? Uh, do you know what? Mm. It is good. It perhaps yep. the first half better than the second half. It got a bit draggy towards the end. Started off really, really, mm. really promising. Robert Patterson, brilliant yeah. as the Batman. Yeah. Maybe his Bruce Wayne needs a bit of developing still. Okay. But as the Batman, it's just great. And the way that he's introduced, basically there's some hoodlums picking on a guy down in the subway. And then you see the stairwell and it's like pitch black. And they, they've seen the bat symbol and then they just turn around and they're all looking up this, up this passage and all you can hear is these footsteps. Mm. And like real slow and steady. And he just sort is of... He wearing, was he wearing tap dancing no, shoes? No, but it's like, it almost sounds like he's wearing, like a, a Western, like, you know, with spurs. Oh yeah, like spurs. Yeah, he's all, yep. but it's, oh, it's brilliant. And... Really, yeah, really creepy when he first emerges. And they use that a couple Brilliant. of times in the film. And it's really effective. There's some really good bits in it. And so the, the filming of it is great. But I suppose like with any sort of Batman, I suppose there's like a tick box of things they've got to do for Warner and DC. Yeah. Tell me they didn't, did they do the, the, the killing of his parents again though? Well, no, they haven't shown it. No, they've started. He's already a Batman. He's already established a bit of a relationship with uh, Jim Gordon, who is Jeffrey Wright in the film, who I think is really great. He mm-hmm. takes like Batman around to all the crime scenes and all the police are like, what's he doing in here? Freak. And he's just like taking in all this, all the clues and stuff. It's really great. It's a lot more like the detective series that it sort of spawned from, you know, back in detective yeah, comics. Yeah, yeah because he... But it, he was more of a... He did have that detective element, didn't he? Yeah. He'd take things back to his back cave and do sampling and stuff, which I guess I guess they did do a bit of that in the other Batman films, didn't they, as it went along? Yeah, But yeah. Not, perhaps 
not perhaps leaning on it too much. No. It was more like a physical action hero sort of thing, wasn't it? And uh, Paul Dano is really good as the Riddler, and the way they've done him is like really, it's quite realistic. It's more of a realistic storyline. Um, so where does it, for you, with all the Batman films that that's out there, where does it sit within that sort of whole range now? Well, it's up amongst the Nolans. Ooh. Because I, I like the first two Nolan films. The third one I felt dragged a little bit as well. It wasn't yeah, as good. Yeah, I don't always find Tom Hardy great. What a lovely, lovely singing voice. <laughs> Why he had to talk like Krang out of the turtles <laughs> but um i'd say it's better than that the third one perhaps not as good as two and one i just think it, it got to the end this is what i mean when i, I said there's a tick box it felt like the end the big disaster ending was sort of tacked on the end because by that time the mystery had all been solved and it was like just now he's got to save gotham city felt like that ending wasn't needed in that film okay Perhaps. So, and, and what was the... Because uh, if you think about the Batman, the original Batman, a Tim Burton sort of image, particularly one and two. Yeah. Um, you know, the Bat... Uh, Gotham was, was sort of like a made-up sort of weird design, wasn't it? And then... Yeah. The Nolan films te- seemed to just take him... Well, it was just it was New York, wasn't it? <laughs> it it could have felt been, yeah. a bit like New York. Um, what was the what was the Gotham like in this one? It was grimy. It felt like Seven. You know, it felt very oh, much okay, like yeah, watching yeah. Seven. This film, it was a a dark sort of a dark film. Yeah, but decent. Um, Does it fit alongside the Joker in any way? It, no, they're not going to tie him up. You meet. Spoiler, you might meet the Joker at the end. It's not confirmed, but the Riddler might have met him at the end in Arkham Asylum. I, do you know, I'd, I'd love to see a film with just Arkham Asylum. Mm. I don't know if you've ever played any of the Batman games on the Xbox or PlayStation or any of that stuff, but they're all built up around Arkham and it, it, that's where all the potential is, if you ask me. What a film that would be. Yeah. Escape from Arkham. Well, I think there's a good potential for this film series to go to some great places i think brilliant um and also do you remember eastenders you remember naughty trevor nasty trevor he used to have he used to be the abusive husband of mo you like your gravy don't you mo that one there or was that scottish that was shrek i think he is scottish oh donkey yeah you like your gravy don't you donkey but that was him anyway he's in there who, who was he uh, he plays like the commissioner at the beginning of the film. Oh, okay. The police commissioner. Oh, that's good. Though. That's a good. That's a nice yeah. uh, feather in his cap, isn't it? And the dad, a moon boy, is in there as well. But um, the question we posed for the audience today, for the Facebookers, you can check us out on Facebook, WN Movie Talk Podcast. Go over there and we ask questions sometimes, and then you get your answers read out on here it's Which, like being famous it is like being famous uh and this week we asked oscar winning films that you haven't watched and christopher hansen checked and said most <laughs> he said just checked oscar winners and i wasn't really falling in love with the options uh and then chris Brenton said joker brilliant <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I should come up with any questions ever again because I really think that was bad. So I, I sent out the question, which is best man and his dog films, go. 
Uh, haven't heard anyone yet. No. Well, one's. that's quite a good one. Why didn't you come up with that earlier? I said that to you last night in a message. Did you? What time did you send that one? Because it was quite know. late by the time I saw them. I had a few to drink. The message that before the one that you replied to me on, which was yeah, <laughs> all right, okay. So we, so it failed. I failed miserably in coming up with a decent question in the first place, and then you did one man in jo- Go on, then go one man and his dog films. Turner and Hooch. We were, we actually watched a film last night. Before we watched this, we had a family film night. Oh, yes. And there was a film I found in the charity shop called My Dog Skip. And it's little Malcolm, out of Malcolm in the Middle, before he was Malcolm, when he was young. And a little dog Skip. And we watched it. And it's the same dog as in The Artist. The same breed of dog, anyway. Oh, maybe they're Look. good for training. Yeah, I reckon they are. A little Jack Russell. A little, mm. Or as I just like to call him, a little Kurt Douglas. I like that. Kurt Douglas. <laughs> Jack Russell um, used to be the England wicketkeeper. Did he? See, yeah. they are good for training then. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> um, so I can't think of a lot of dogs, but another question I come up with, which I did list because I thought, oh, maybe we'd go for that one last night when we was watching the film. Uh, modern black and white films. Mm. Play as black and white. Uh, come up with a few of those. Uh, the Lighthouse. Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah, that's great. Edward, I don't. I haven't seen that one. Tim Burton's Edward. Haven't seen it. Then there was the man who wasn't there, the Cohen Brothers film. Oh, where was he? He was over there by the beef burgers. So that was really freaking difficult to come up with a decent question. And then actually, you came up with several, and you should have put them on, and it's your fault. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it. I guess even like with the Oscar one, we were asking people to go and do a bit of research first because it's not the sort of thing that you know. No, oh, I know I all those Oscar films. You know, it's it's a bit right. like... I think it's got to be questions have got... Just be on the tip of their tongue because they're just scrolling down when they see it, isn't they? Yeah, you know? exactly. Top five films with black and white dogs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, so that was that. Um, so, should we talk about the artist? Let's talk about the artist because we've not done too well so far with anything no, else. <laughs> <laughs> Go. Action. Hello, it's Trevor from the future. Just to say that as we're about to start the podcast, Robin knocked off his microphone and didn't realise. So the next sort of 10, 15 minutes of the podcast has been captured from Skype. So it's not as clear, but it does come back soon. So please hang on. It's just another technical hitch for us two hapless Egypts. Thank you. Let's talk about the artist. Um, so, have you ever seen the artist before? You haven't, no. no absolutely no, not. And, no, and, no, and you know, even though, even though it, it got the hype that it got with the Oscar win and stuff, I had no idea what I was looking at or what was about to happen. No indication. No indication at all what was coming. No, and uh, we put it on last night and it was getting late. It was about 10 o'clock and I was like, oh, I've got to watch this. And Don's like, oh, I'll watch it. She said, well, we can watch the first half tonight, can't we? And then watch the rest tomorrow if we don't get around to it. Both thinking that silent movie, black and white, might get a bit boring. You know, it might, mm. it might wear thin before yeah. long. But we sat through, watched it always great. I got pulled in almost immediately. The the main guy, the star of the show, Jean Dujardin as George Valentine. Just really great on the screen, wasn't he? And uh, yeah, it was like really stylishly made. I thought it was great fun. Should we tell people what it's about quickly? Yeah, go for it. 
So The Artist is a 2011 film. It's a French comedy drama filmed in the style of a black and white silent film. It's written and directed by <laughs> Michael Hazana Hazana Vicious. And who was it written by, Trev? Same, same chap. <laughs> <laughs> and with music composed by Ludwig Bors. Because, of, of course, if you've you got a, a silent movie, it is just pretty much wall-to-wall music, isn't it? Yeah, there's no pauses. There's not a lot of moments where, you know, it's, it's, there's not music going on, is there, through this? No. And that runs very nicely like that sort of silent movie era, doesn't it? You know, where they had the band playing in front and... George Valentin is a star of the silent movie era. And this film sort of takes place at the dawn of, like, the first talkies. So a little bit reminiscent of um, Singing in the Rain. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah. It's got that very thing going on with his dancing, hasn't he? It's gone from, like, he's a bit of a swashbuckler, isn't he? His, his preferred character. But up on stage, yeah. he's, like, he's a real showman. And then Peppy Miller is coming up. She's a younger actress. And she's going to be the star of the talkies. And he's, I, I just love the first thing you see is him strapped to the electric chair. And he says, I won't talk. I won't say a word. And uh, yes. you think that's great because you, you know, he's not going to. It's so much of that in this film, just little hints. In the yeah. So like, it starts off, it's got like the front loaded credit sequence, doesn't it? Like the old day. Yeah, the good old fashioned uh, movies. But yeah, it is really designed. The design of this is absolutely impeccable, isn't it? If you put this on next to like a 1920s silent film, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference if you didn't know, would you? No, you know? I think perhaps the only way that you would is in the is just in the sort of the, the crispness of the film. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it hasn't quite got the fuzziness of an old film, has it? Do you know what I mean? It's got it's got that HD sort of element to it hasn't yeah. it that's the only thing because i believe as well the, the film was filmed on 20 something frames wasn't it so, so it was sort of slightly quicker isn't it in that sense than a normal film so some of the actors the they, film, they would deliberately hold poses and things to kind the of film is shot in 22 frames per second and it then yeah. played at the standard 24 frames per second and the action becomes slightly accelerated Brilliant. so he's obviously based his character on well he says douglas fairbanks yeah, but they probably based it on like your likes of um, Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd, well, Harold Charlie Lloyd Chaplin. Once. Yeah, and they weren't really necessarily films I'd ever gone to the cinema to see, but they were things that were on on like after school on a, at six o'clock. On yeah, a, they used to be on on a Sunday or something. Or something. And then on a Sunday after, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I've got lots of fond memories, but what Harold was- Lloyd was the one that stands out the most yeah, yeah i've it, in more recent years i've watched a bit of chaplin but i've watched a lot of uh laurel and hardy and yes yeah being just to sit and watch that and the silent ones are, are almost better than the talkies but it's conveying everything isn't it without sound and without emotion and i think that's something that this film does absolutely oh. perfect he's just got such a great range of expression on his face and even the girl was peppy miller just brilliant and i mean her character she might be sort of treading on the toes of uh george valentine but she's in adoration of him and she, she thought well, she falls in love with him from the beginning but she absolutely, does absolutely yeah she's not trying to put him 
yeah, down. She, and... You think, oh, the fame's going to go to her head. And there's the one bit where she's being interviewed and she's sort of saying, oh, you know, making way for the new people and stuff. She's sort of giving that spiel. Making way for but, the young. Yeah. yeah, but she, all the way through, you can see that she just has, you know, she's in love with him and just, yeah, feel sorry for him, I suppose. It's, I guess it's pity, but, you know, she cries. She's upset to see him falling. I don't know if it's pity or just, you know, heartbreak or what you would call it, really. There's potential there that, that you could, that could turn you against her character a little bit. Yeah, but it never gets But to it that. never does it, does right. it? Yeah, you Because know, he's, he's a very proud man. And if anyone's doing him any harm, it's him. Without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. With not wanting to sort of take that step into the talkies and go, oh, it's just a fad. And then the the, the film producer, John Goodman, I mean, because it's, it's filmed in America, but in and around Hollywood. So it's a lot of real locations used. Um, but you've got American cast in it as well. Uh, John Goodman and James Cronwell. So John Goodman is Al Zimmer. He's the producer of the film studio where... You know, George Valentine is their star. And he um, he basically says, look, talkies are the new thing. We don't want silent films. And George Valentine's like, well, I'll go and make a silent film on my own. And he's got too much pride. He just doesn't think it's going to be a, the real deal. And that's a really interesting take on that, isn't it? Because there must have been people that that said that. Ah, oh, this, this talking stuff's never going to take on. Ah, oh, this fandangled modern stuff. It well, won't ever take. It also did put a lot of artists out of business because they weren't cut out for acting if they had to talk. They perhaps yeah. didn't have the voice for it. And there's that great scene in um, Singing in the Rain, isn't there, where, you know, there's the two stars of the stage and film. Yeah. And in the silent films are great. But then when the talkies come about, the woman's voice is absolutely awful, isn't it? She's not going to get any work in yeah. a talkie, isn't it? So Debbie Reynolds is doing the singing over the main woman. So it's the same sort of time and it's similar, but it does go in a slightly different direction. You're sort of following a chap who's wallowing in in his own self-pity. And over like the course of like four or five years, isn't it? You just see him declining, really. Yeah, because that's the interesting thing. It's not a big, it's not that long a period. Because when I was watching it, I was sort of thinking that dog's living for a long time. <laughs> but as it turns out, it wasn't that long a period, was it? It was... You like say it was only four or five years, so it's quite a rapid decline. Yeah, because by the end of the film, and I think perhaps that was the one bit I was thinking really, because by the end of the film, nobody recognised the guy. You know, and he'd only been out of movies for four years. I like when they first meet. She's there to see him in the crowd. He's at the premiere, and there's that great scene at the beginning where you see all the audience watching the film, and he's behind the the, the screen. And then when the yeah. film comes out, he's like. Dancing across the stage. Mucking and then, around and he loving yeah, it. Uh, and then uh, the woman in the background, isn't she? Um, uh, yeah. The actress, Missy Pyle. And she's um, waiting to come on and he's he goes to call her on and then he calls the dog on instead. <laughs> the, the thing is, the whole premise of the film, it's simple. Here's a guy, he's really successful. He meets this woman. They have this instant connection. He can't quite shake it off. Yeah, he's married. So... That also then filters into the decline as well. As he declines, her star rises. So it's a bit like a star is born and all of those sorts of ideas, isn't it? You know, so yeah. you kind of know where it's going, but follows him more than it does her. 
you get the posters of her in all her films. And my God, she made a lot of films in that time period, didn't she? <laughs> she <laughs> did. <laughs> yeah, because she starts off, she, when she first meets him, she's just an extra, isn't she? Yeah. And um, she chances, she just sort of falls over the barrier when she's picking her purse up and then all of a sudden she's in the photo with him yeah which sort then of goes on the headlines her. of the paper yeah on, it goes on to variety magazine and it gives her that little sort of nudge into the, the yeah. limelight doesn't it and that's so nicely done as well because there's that lovely moment where she backs into the celebrity the big star and <clears> all <throat> the press sort of freeze everything goes quiet go, oh no what's he gonna <laughs> and you're thinking oh is he that kind of guy Mm. And yet, his like you said about his face, his face just lights up, and he's got the widest smile, yeah, hasn't he? He just looks like he's having fun. Yeah. Everything's fun. He's loving his life, isn't he? You know, and, yeah. and he plays along with her, and then they get the kiss. She gets the photo taken, which gets put on the front of the paper. Yeah, that sort of like you say that nudges her, gives her the confidence, doesn't it, to kind of use that. She goes and then auditions for a part, and it, they're looking for three dancers, and the first two women are are dancing. <laughs> if you can call it that loosely and then she does her dance it's slightly more flamboyant isn't it but these two actors both of them said that they hadn't done any dancing before no, they weren't dancers yeah. they trained for this for five months didn't they especially for the dance routine at the end the big dance routine at yeah the end. the end routine yeah which is great i mean i'm not one for dancing in films i'm not a musical film person you know no. I felt when I watched Singing in the Rain, I really enjoyed it, except for the end musical number. I just re- it really put me off because it felt sort of like it wasn't part of the film. I, I was like, why is this in here? What's this got to do with anything? Whereas with the artist, the end dance, it was the end of the film. It tied the film together. And it did. Me I mean, and Donna were just smiling our heads off watching it. I, I was exactly <laughs> the same. I, it just, my grin just kept getting bigger. It was almost as big as his, to be fair. <laughs> and that was the thing, you know, you, you saw it going along and I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute, especially at the point where he decides to take his life. I know that's jumping ahead a bit, but, you know, I'm thinking, oh, is he actually going to kill himself here? Is that how this goes? You know, mm. and then she's going to have to carry on or, or how's this? That, that doesn't feel right. Is this what's going to happen? Then there's the bang, isn't it? Yeah, you know? the title card comes up. Yeah. Bang. Bang. And I'm thinking, oh, hang on. I, I don't, that's not going to work for me. And then, then you look outside, she's there crashed into the tree because of her ropey driving anyway. And he's sort of looking at, oh, what was that bang? <laughs> so he looks out the window. And then from that moment on, you're like, thank God for that. It's sort of La La Land was sort of, came along a few years afterwards didn't it and it has it's got that similar sort of two people sort of passing ships passing in the night almost thing going on i mean there's some really great bits in it i love the opening sequences i think that's amazing but the end of the film i actually just sat and went no 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 i that's not right that's not how this film should that no (laughs) you know it was like i took offense to the ending so much i was like "I i don't like that Whereas this was the absolute opposite. It was perfect because it just, you know, if you went to the cinema and watched it's just it, a film, good film, imagine, isn't it? just... yeah, imagine seeing the people's faces rolling out of a cinema after this film. You know, the grins on the face, everyone would have been in a great mood. You know, I don't, I, I think you'd have to go a long way to, to think that this film was a waste of money to see. And I do think it was worth the Oscar. It was clever. It was set and designed to look like an old film, but. It, oh, it just had a lot going for it, didn't it? It was yeah, and where they it was really clever. It was, and there were some lovely moments. Um, there's a couple of bits. There's the bit with the building, 
the Bradbury building. Oh, yeah, the stairwell. That's well. been in a few films before. Do you know what film? Blade Runner is most famously. Yeah. And I've watched the scenes that it was in Blade Runner. It's really dark and yeah. run down and misty. Yeah. And that was when it was run down. They hadn't renovated it at that time. Oh, it right, sort yeah. of looks almost like uh, an industrial sort of location then, doesn't Perfect it? Perfect for Blade Runner. But this, this scene with the stairwell. And that's a great scene anyway, because he's on his way down. She's on his, her way up. Yeah. And yep, they cross. Absolutely. And she yep. stood over him the whole time. Hovering yeah, above that, that's right. Yeah, she stood above, isn't she? Very symbolic. Yeah. And and the other bit was the bit with he's on the glass table. Oh, uh, with the drink. That's my favourite shot in the film. Yeah, and it sort of rotates round, doesn't it? And then he pours the drink onto the table and it comes out. Just fabulous. Just, just wonderful. Head circled in that puddle of alcohol. Yeah, it's just yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And and well, there was just stuff. yeah, really nice. I wish I'd watched it earlier in the week so I could watch it again yeah. and go back through. This is one of those films where I would happily pick it up straight away again and, and do it again. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem at all. Some films I'm like, no, once is enough, that'll do. But this one I was like, no, actually, yeah, I could I could watch it again because like you said about right at the start when he's getting the electric shocks and he's saying, I shall not talk. I didn't pick up on that. And that, of course, is very significant to his decline, isn't it? Yeah, and a lot of the, you know, they don't use title cards a lot in the film do they but when they no. do it's always exaggerating a point like that it's yes yeah. always they always say we need to talk you need to talk his wife says to him yeah you need to talk and it, it, he does he needs to talk his whole life is falling apart because he won't talk <laughs> yeah and, and that's it and there's that lovely bit in that though where john goodman says to him you know come and see this come and see it. i want to show you something and they're doing the demo and he, and he backs away and he just walks out you know he sort of goes into the darkness doesn't he and there's this element a really good play with the light in that yeah you're kind of seeing what's about to go on with him he's sort of like disappearing into the obscurity of the silent movie brilliant i I love when they first meet as well and she gets called up to be the extra see malcolm mcdowell's in that scene isn't he at the beginning yeah he doesn't have much of a part in it all he's doing is literally sitting there isn't yeah quite a big actor to have in a in such an insignificant role but he's obviously playing some producer or something of the time um yeah she's called up to become an extra anyway in the film and you see the scene they take there's several takes of the same scene and i just think that shot was that was brilliant take one he's getting into camera and he does his eye shift does his eye shift and he's like mm, mm. and then he goes skulking through the crowd looking for someone and then he dances with the girl and then he moves on and he dances with the man <laughs> and, yeah. like, oh, oh. <laughs> and then he goes let's but, do it again that does it again but the next time he dances with the girl and then he catches her eyes and he's lost in her eyes isn't he he's gone yeah and it's um, brilliant Absolutely. each take he just sort of loses it more and more he can't get back to where he was at the beginning of the screen either can he he's like no no, he's completely fallen hasn't he at each time he does it it's the connection is just a little bit longer a little bit closer you know he holds her in a bit closer and then you know at one point i thought they're gonna kiss there you know they got they got that sort of close and um throws him out completely doesn't it that's brilliant Brilliant. And then she, the scene where she's up in his room and she finds his coat. Oh, yes, with her hands. Tom through his <laughs> sleeve and she's hugging herself and hugging the cut. It's just brilliant, really well, just ingenious. Yeah. But that's the sort of thing you would have watched in those old films, wasn't it? It was like, yeah, totally. Because again, you know, certainly without being able to talk, 
you know, they couldn't tell the story. So they had to, I guess, in a sense, they had to simplify them enough for everyone to understand them. But then they also had to make it interesting enough and a little bit quirky in a way to keep people interested. Those little hands, you know, hand in the sleeve things and that. Yeah, exactly that, isn't it? You can sort of think of those sorts of things going on all the time in films. I was going to say, do you know what the first talkie film was? No, I don't. The Al Jolson story. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting fact there yeah, i can't tell you anything else about it yeah okay well there you go we'll leave it there <laughs> the jazz singer the jazz singer wasn't it, it was yeah, yeah 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 johnson story um there's that great scene as well where he's just seen the talky films and he's starting to have a nightmare isn't he and he's in oh. and i thought that was like real i didn't realize it was a dream at the first and it sort of plays with i was like oh is this where this is going like is he's sat in the silent film and then he puts his cup down and it makes a noise but it's like oh that actually happened in the scene and then he can hear all these different noises and the dog uh, barking and like the girls are laughing and there's all that sound going on and i was thinking oh is this going to happen now the sound is slowly going to creep in except for him he's the only one who can't talk and he's trying to find his voice yeah uh, and then you see the feather slowly float down <laughs> yes <laughs> so when it lands on the floor i thought you were just gonna hear this little like but it's like boom, boom. <laughs> no that was that was brilliantly done and um like, i was like you i was thinking oh here we go it's gonna switch now and actually i'm glad it didn't i'm glad yeah. it maintained its it, what it was before you know and kept it on because obviously it was coming from him wasn't it so it kept it basically focused on him and yeah that was that was brilliant. That sort of dream dream sequence. Very clever. That's why it's different to those older films because it's got the ability to switch into something else. It's got all the capacity that we have in modern day movies, hasn't it? Yeah, sitting there for it to use, and so that introduction to the sound, which is beautifully crisp, and yeah, and then they can just drop it away again. It's, yeah, so clever, so well done. There's a lot. Of, there's some good bits where it plays with sound, like at the beginning when the crowd watches film, and then the end bit comes up, the end, and you see him sat there waiting for a reaction. Oh yes, and it goes on so long, you think, oh, they think it's shit. Yeah, but of course you can't hear them. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it and then they like start They're laughing. Like, yes, that's good. Yeah, that's it, all good. good. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, that's brilliant because you your heart sinks a bit. You think, oh, they don't. They didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just that slight delay, isn't it? And again, that's that sort of element of overacting that has to happen there. You know, with the, the facial expressions and the, the bigger gestures. Oh, yes, that's okay. And, yeah. Hooray. And, you know, it's a lot more sort of obvious isn't it in the gestures and the movements and stuff than it necessarily would be and he he just plays that role perfectly like i said the facial expressions the animation of him you know throughout the film and how he switches so well from that jovial guy everything's lovely isn't it at the start to that depressed downtrodden guy and i think and yeah but also i think for the whole way through the film uh the costume design he starts off and he's very crisp everything's very bright for him yeah because you know, it's, to- it's tonal val- it's values isn't it tone isn't it exactly yeah, so yeah. he's got quite light clothes and quite you know quite crisp but he becomes quite dour doesn't he towards the end his suit is like just sort of gray and mm. doesn't really stand out and he you know he, he, bit by bit he kind of just deteriorates doesn't he in his yeah. presentation and there's that great shot as well where he's he sees the tuxedo and by this point he hasn't worn one for a long yeah. time and he's stood in the shop window with his reflection on the tuxedo is good. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just that tragic element to it when he's selling all his stuff off as well. I just Yeah, the auction the scene. Sad, 
Did you notice, just talking about all this stuff that he was selling, did you notice the um, the sequence with the breakfast, him and his wife? Yeah. Uh, because, again, the costume changes. With the dog. Yeah, and the, but yeah, the dog's brilliant. But the cost, we could do a video about a dog on his own, a podcast about the dog on his own, couldn't we? Yeah, Ugg, Uggo, isn't it? Uggy or something? But the costumes, it was quite interesting because initially it's like they're in their sort of like pyjamas or whatever. It's all very nice and cheery. And then and then bit by bit, they become a bit more formal towards each other, don't they? each time they're sat having their breakfast. But I don't know if you noticed, behind the woman, there's two busts on the cabinet or whatever it is, behind her, of a man and a woman. And then each time they then do that scene, the busts separate until the last time. The the male one's not even in the picture. Oh, I didn't notice that, no. No, yeah, it's really clever. It's like just drifting apart. And it's like, ah, look at that. Yeah, there's loads of things, isn't there, in the background. Like when Pepe uh, Miller comes into his room in the background is like the poster of him in a film fief of her heart is the name of the film and the name of the films always sort of reflect what's happening at that time as well like um he passes out in the pub and then you see james cromwell who's clifton is um is uh Butler, his uh, butler sh- and chauffeur. Sh- chauffeur he? Yeah. he turns up at the pub and picks him up and takes him back. He doesn't even realise, does he? He's, his butler's done this because he's passed out. He puts him into bed. By this point, he's sacked his butler because he can't pay him. But yeah. the next shot you see is like the cinema, and it's like Guardian Angel is the film, and it's it's yeah. just great like that. And that again, that's why it's. I think this film is worth going back and watching twice, <laughs> because at least twice, because there's so much going on. It's yeah. really, really good attention to detail going on throughout the whole thing. So James Cromwell as Clifton. James Cromwell, you might know him from films such as Babe, Pig in the City, or Babe. I Robot. He? He's the farmer. Is he an I Robot? He's the baddie in I Robot, and he- no, he's the scientist. Yeah, he's it. And L.A. Confidential is one I always remember him. From. Okay, but. When you see him in his chauffeur gear, he almost looks like a Nazi, doesn't he? Like SS. Yeah, and I, he does, I just yeah. like I know he's a he's a nice character, but I just kept thinking he's horrible. Like <laughs> he's dressed <laughs> yeah. like a Nazi and he, he could turn on you at the last minute just like in LA Confidential. Um but no, he is he's a good character and he when George Valentine's sort of gone in this decline and he says to Clifton, When was the last time I paid you? And he's like Oh, that would have been over a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I have to fire you now. Like, he's sacking yeah. him. I, I don't uh, want to go. I don't want another job. There's three people in this film who save George Valentine's life at different times. And once it's uh, Clifton, it's also his dog. And then it, it's Peppy Miller, isn't it, basically? Yeah. Just all... yeah. That sort of level of loyalty, isn't it? Where yeah, they're, just... they're all loyal to him, aren't they? Yeah. I love the also the little touch with Peppy Miller right back going back to the in his dressing room where she put where he says you need to stand out from the others and he just puts that little beauty spot yeah, on her face. That's it. That's yeah. like brilliant, isn't it? Just that like, one. But I was thinking about that. I was thinking, but you just know within about two or three films, every woman would have one of those, wouldn't they? Yeah, <laughs> they'd all be getting bigger like warts. It reminded me <laughs> of the. Um... Hot shots, isn't it? I think it's hot shots part two, and the girl with a mole, and she takes it off and gives it to Charlie Sheen, puts it on him, and then the other woman recognises the mole, and it's, <laughs> it's just good fun. I think my favourite mole scene is um, Austin, <laughs> Austin Powers. Powers. <laughs> molly, 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 molly. 
<laughs> it's when a twig it's when the twig comes up to his face. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> nice to mole I meet you. <laughs> Not to talk about the mole. <laughs> anyway. That oh, was good. It was good. I do love the Austin Powers. The, like the relationship with his wife and, and him though, like you saying about the bus, but she's just constantly drawing over his images. Oh, the doodles. <laughs> drawing over faces of him in magazines. <laughs> yeah. But even when she hands him, writes him the letter at the end to say, I'm leaving or whatever it says on it, you see the back of the card and she's drawn on that one as well. <laughs> Every other tooth has been blacked out. <laughs> yeah. Just like with all the gappy teeth, I just yeah. oh, it's fucking <laughs> I love it. But yeah, he's saying about the different things in the the background. Like this, the other film playing at the cinema is Lonely Star when he's at his lowest. Do you know, I I didn't really notice that. I'd, again, so that's one of those things I'd love to go back and pick up again. Yeah, I just any time there's something to read, you just I found my eyes casting over and going, oh, completely links in. <laughs> when he's also at his lowest, and he's in the pub just before he passes out he sees um his miniature self come in doesn't he yes with his little movie uh with his movie that he made yeah and the the african guys with the spears (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah telling him to get himself sorted basically but he doesn't no he doesn't he actually gets worse and that was interesting because that that obviously in terms of his decline wasn't it was the film he made and as he's making the film he's writing out more and more checks and then they go, but and then there's the the but uh, the boom, isn't? Uh, no, the the butt of the boom, the boom, the butt. What is the, it? The uh, the crash. Yeah, the crash. That's it. The crash. The stock market crash. And there's a great bit where they're making the film, isn't it? And he keeps dissolving all his signatures on the checks. Another yeah, check. Yeah, another, another check. check. Yeah. Day fifty-seven of filming, and it's just going on and on. And then you, the the. The only sort of bit you see of the film is him sinking into quicksand, isn't it? Yeah, it and is. And you watch that scene at the cinema and he's sinking and he's I'm like... I'm going, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's all symbolic. But there's that brilliant line in that bit. As he goes down, he says goodbye to the woman. And he goes, I never loved you. What? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she didn't help him. I was wondering what the script looked like for this. Did they have lines mm. to say... Or was it improvised? And I think they said that they did have lines. So I watched a Q&A on the, the Blu-ray this morning. Yeah. And it was really frustrating. The bloke asking the questions was just asking such fucking stupid questions. They said, oh, once the director had shown us the script, uh, or James Cromwell said, you know, oh, we're, I was completely blown away by it. And I thought, yeah, I want to be part of this, you know. Signed up for it. Couldn't wait. And then the bloke goes, and once you'd signed up for it, was there a part of you then that thought, what am I doing this for? Why am I doing it? He's like, uh, no, I just said that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he kept trying to put things in their mouth, you know, it's like, yeah. what are you trying? And just- then they'd give this really big answer about something, trying to like steer it back to like the process. And they'd say something really elaborate and go into a lot of detail and finish. And then he'll ask a question that was like the question to what they just answered. And you're like, oh, God, this bloke is huh. shit. And so did this guy, editing. did he do anything stupid, like ask questions about something they'd just elaborated on at any point? <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Sorry, what? Just, just like, like that. that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they did say that they had lines and they were speaking when they was doing it. Um, and the Berenice Bejo, Pepe Miller, she said that, John Goodman was just, she was in a scene with him, her first scene with him. 
And just before they start rolling, he's like going, oh, God, I've got to get my wife a present. I'm going to be late for this. I haven't done this. And he starts going through all this stuff. And she's like, oh, my God, are you all right? Are you all right? And then he's like straight into the scene. And she realized that was him preparing. Like, this bloke's too busy to be here. He's like, you know, and he's listed everything that's going through his head. And she said it was great preparation. She just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then she said she was like, really? Because she's the director's wife in real life. Oh, okay. Um, and he sort of wrote the role with her in mind. And she said she went into it with like, God, I've got to do this right. I've got to do, and really worried about it. And then in the end, she was like, oh, I just got to let go and just enjoy this and just not do my best, but just do the job, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then she just got on with it and said it just all fell into place and everyone was enjoying it. And then the bloke would say, um, so what did you... Uh, feel that you put too much into it at first <laughs> like, like uh, uh y- y- yeah i just yeah uh yeah really weird i turned Brilliant. it i turned it off in the end because i was like this place is just doing my fucking nothing and i i kind of had a quick look to see if there's any documentaries or anything about this couldn't find a lot actually no. A couple of really naff sort of review bits on, on YouTube. You know, like a couple of dickheads talking about it from their bedrooms. A couple of dickheads <laughs> going on about a film they'd only just watched and trying to remember everything. And one of them, for 30 minutes of the podcast, of the video... Didn't even record! Didn't even have his fucking sound on. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? Yeah. Apparently, and also okay. I thought the best bit was when they read out their mum's message. <laughs> um, you're saying about like the... Hello, mum! You know, when I was watching this, I was like, well, how much of this is set and how much of this is location? But it was mostly location, wasn't it? Yeah. A lot of it, it was filmed on the, the actual back lots of the studios when you see them walking through the gates and things. But like the mansions, there's some really impressive houses mm. they were living in. And it was all actual location shot la you know. la mansions and things. yeah and it, like the hollywood sign and it was hollywood land at yes. the time wasn't it and that's an actual you know it did used to say hollywood land didn't it so the old hollywood land sign um it did used to be hollywood land and then it deteriorated and the sign fell away like the land bit it ju- and it was put up not to say this is hollywood this is the hollywood hills it was a real estate advertising oh that's what it was um but then the the sign started to fall apart the h was actually one of the first letters to fall it almost killed someone apparently (laughs) when it fell down imagine being killed Um, by a giant h (laughs) you'd be well pissed (laughs) off wouldn't you i I don't know why bill fagerback who was a policeman with the tuxedo the tuxedo policeman he i've got a picture of him but he's next to spongebob squarepants Oh, maybe he does his voice. Oh, that's because he voices Patrick Starr. Oh, I see. And SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, now I understand. Yeah, and he was the policeman who didn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, no one said anything. Funny that, but yeah, nobody Until did. Until yeah, the very end. Well, but, they, but then he does say something, doesn't he, right at the very end, which is, which is perfect. What did he say? Oh, I can't remember now. Yeah, I didn't even write it down because <laughs> I was thinking that this morning. <laughs> Why didn't I write down the only word they say? Um, but yeah, because they do the big dance routine and then they stop like that and then they're like heavy breathing, aren't they? And then they're sort of, you're hanging on and you're like, wait for it. And I knew something was coming and it goes over to the producers, John Goodman, and then the director sort of picks up his 
think, cut! First sound you hear. And then, yeah, yeah. our hero says something else. And then, <laughs> and then he says that really important line. <laughs> this is why you listen to WN Movie Talk Podcast. Because <laughs> we know our shit. Oh, God, we know we're shit. <laughs> we might have been better. We might have been better off actually just playing some music over this entire episode, <laughs> doing ding, a silent ding, 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 ding. Uh, ding, ding. Um, Right. But, anyway, so yeah, Donna's like we watched this, and then Donna's like, oh, "This is quite a new film, isn't it?" And I, twenty eleven, <laughs> looked. At it, I was like, twenty eleven. That was like, yeah, over ten years ago. Jesus, when did the time go? Um, but. That's irrelevant. (laughs) 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 No, 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 no. That's what I was going to say. So then I thought, oh, no, that must mean poor little doggy's no longer with us. Uggy. That's a very Don't live for long, do they? And, um, yeah, he died aged 13 on the 7th of August, 2015. So poor little Uggy. You can't buy his memoir. (laughs) That's a memoir. Yeah, yeah. He wrote his own memoir. Uh, memoir. He probably memoir. did, clever little bucker, or none. Yeah. I think it was called Woof. Because <laughs> that's what he writes on the card, isn't it, with a dog? He does, yeah. And that's another thing at the start. You know, but the, the dog's brilliant in this, and, and you can see the affection he has for his dog. That's, you know, other than his moustache, the dog is his little gimmick, isn't it, that he has with him. And he does. He signs one of the cards, puts a little paw on there, doesn't he, and dog paw, and says woof. Yeah. And then, and then um, there's the, the shooting thing, isn't there, where the dog lies? Yeah, he shoots the dog, and the dog lies down, falls dead. Lies down dead, and then he can bury his face as well, which is the other one that he does, where he sort of hides his head down. <laughs> that was the bit with the dog that you know, where the dog saves his life. He goes um, to get that policeman, which I'm not he? sure would have he... would have been the case anyway, because I think I, I imagine he'd have been dead from chemical fumes, wouldn't he, off the off the film? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> well, he was in hospital for but, a long time. Well, he was. It was, to be fair. And he wakes up with a little bit of a cough. I had more of a cough from freaking COVID. Well, you don't know that, though, do you? Because you couldn't hear what? it. He might have been wheezy. You wouldn't have heard it. Mm. But, yeah, so he, the dog saves his life. And then Peppy Miller hears he's in the hospital. She abandons her filming to go and see him. And then she has him taken home to her house where he wakes up. And he yeah, just... Right, okay, so am I right in saying, was that his house? No, I don't think that was his house at the beginning. Because the staircase and the dining room just look really the same. Yeah, I don't think I don't think she bought his house. Because I at that point, and especially when he goes in and finds all his own stuff under the sheets, I started to sort of think, "Ooh, she's a bit weird." No, <laughs> she saved like, all his stuff. She didn't want him getting rid of his. I stuff. know she's, that. I know she's that she's saving him. Yeah, he got offended that she'd bought all his things. Um, yeah, but he couldn't even she sell must his have own sent stuff. two people in because in the auction yeah, they were scene, playing off each looking other, looking at each other and just up, bidding everything up, weren't they, to buy it? Yeah, and and his uh, her butler was one of them, wasn't it, or chauffeur or whichever he right, was? Yeah, because you see him go and get. And in was the it car. the maid, the other one? Uh, yes, because they open the door, don't they? That's who they were. That's the significance of that scene. Because they open the door. <laughs> Oh, Christ, I'm not my freaking thing. They open the door and it's two people and it, he looks at them as if he knew them. And I was thinking, that's significant. Who were they? Mm. So they probably were the two that it bought it. Was. Uh, the maid is Beth 
Beth Grant. She was in Donnie Darko. She's the horrible teacher in Donnie Darko, isn't she? Okay. We watched that one back along uh, on the pod. And then she was also in um, another film that I discussed back when Nath was doing the pod with me was um, Bad Words, which he enjoyed and I really hated. But she was in that as well, Beth Grant. Right. So she's made a third appearance in the pod now. Beth Grant. So I've just had a quick look on um, IMDb, and there's a bit. It says goofs. This when George meets Peppy for the first time, her handbag sur- disappears. No, Donna pointed that out. Yeah, okay. When she falls over and she picks up her purse, and she's there like ooh, in front of the audience, the camera goes back and she's doing all her stuff, but she hasn't got her handbag in her hand. Oh, and then it comes back and then it's back in her hand. That's not what I was going to say, but but that's a very interesting point. That's one we noticed. Very good, very good. Donna picks up on anything like that. Anything to do with handbags and shoes. (laughs) Claire's the same. (laughs) Carry on. So, I'll read it again. Goofs. When George meets Peppy for the first time, he's surrounded by reporters and photographers. One reporter has the typical press card stuck in his hat brim. But the typeface is Helvetica which is not introduced until 1958. (laughs) Sometimes I hate people. (laughs) Can you imagine being the guy that sat there, or or lady, let's not be sexist, sitting there and going, that's that's fucking Helvetica! (laughs) (laughs) No, look! Helvetica! Helvetica! (laughs) I can't take this film seriously anymore. Turn it off! (laughs) (laughs) No. No, it's lost me now. It's lost me. It's completely lost me. I'll prove it. I'll type an email. (laughs) (laughs) Come and look at this on Word. Look, I knew it. Bloody hell, Vesica. (laughs) God almighty. How would you even notice that? What a prick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, this... the artist was a budget of 15 million and it made a box office gross of 133 million. Jesus Christ. So done very well. Because it won five Oscars. Yep. It won Best Picture, Best Performance by an Actor in the Leading Role for Jean Dujardin, uh, Best Directing by Michael H. <laughs> <laughs> Michael H. And Best Achievement in Costume Design by Mark Bridges. Oh, and Best Achievement in Written Music for Motion Pictures. Yeah. The original score, Ludovic Buiss. Yes, and I think think that's that's valid. All of those Oscars. Do you watch the Oscars? No, no. I don't really watch the Oscars. I've heard now they're not going to do the obituaries at the end anymore. Okay. They're going to do uh, celebrities who have been cancelled instead now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you know, that's really interesting you say that. And I mean, we're sort of joking aside. I'm just choked on my words. Um, Just joking aside, because this is a Weinstein production, isn't it? Yeah, it it was. Yeah, yeah. And I sort of thought, ooh, that's a bit uncomfortable, isn't it, these days? Because that turned out to be a rather negative experience for everyone. Well, he's not a very nice bloke. Mm. Um, I've mentioned before, I've read a book called um down and dirty pictures and it's all about sort of the rise of miramax and that and this is before all the allegations and that come out and it's just a horrible bloke the weinsteins are just horrible greedy people yeah and 
Yeah, they just fuck screwed everyone over, really, you know, except for Quentin Tarantino, who's their golden balls, you know. Mm. But all the other filmmakers, they squeezed every fucking penny out of them. You know, they made lots of money and no one else really ever saw any money for all these amazing films. Mm. Just horrible, horrible. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it, how you can have people, you know, films like The Artist and all the films that they've been involved with previously, these amazing films, but underlying that in terms of the funding of the films and stuff is some really (laughs) unpleasant people. Bizarre world we live in, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for nominating, uh, choosing that film, Robin, the artist. Nominating. I'm I like really, what you did there. That was yeah. like an Oscar thing. <laughs> no, I'm really glad I watched that. Yes. I'm really glad you chose that. I'm really, yeah, really glad to have watched that. It's good fun. Yeah, I'd certainly and recommend it to anyone. If anyone said, you know, oh, you've got a nice, pleasant film to watch, I'd definitely put this one on the list now. Yeah. Easy going. Bit of fun. Mm. So, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. This has been WN Movie Talk Podcast. Robin, thanks ever so much for joining me. Pleasure as always. And I'll see you all again next week. Chase. Bye.